The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Your EQ is 100% based around self-awareness. You ever notice people like walking on the sidewalk way too slow, holding everyone up, and they have no idea anyone's even around them. They have no self-awareness. So you can now assume about these people that they have low EQ. And you can probably assume about them that they don't have a ton of adversity that they've been through either. Because I think there's a direct correlation between AQ and EQ. What is happening? Welcome back to your favorite podcast, the Gordai Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Mahaley, and I am thrilled to have you back on another journey with us. Before the show begins, if you please could hit the subscribe button, share this with your friends if you love the show, and check out the sponsors in the show notes. It would help this show grow tremendously. Get ready. There is a mind-blowing episode coming. I'll see you inside. I had told you guys about that really embarrassing time a while back that I took the huge, massive personality test and it came back telling me that my weakest trait in my personality was impulse control. I was embarrassed by that. But then I looked back at the trend of my last year, two years in life, and I was like, dang, every single really bad event that happened was a byproduct of not having great impulse control. So since then... What have I started doing? I'm not sure if you guys see this on my Instagram, but I post often about the whole delayed gratification thing. It's like delaying caffeine or you have this craving for food. Well, delaying it, putting it back, setting parameters and metrics around it that I want to hit in order to achieve that. Now, to some, that might seem a little bit extreme. That's perfectly okay. I'm an extremist. A lot of the people listening to the show are a little bit more extremist by nature. And really, I think that's kind of the setting of podcasts, at least in the educational space or self-improvement space or the fitness space that you guys take time out of your day to listen to educators like myself, just share things with you guys that we figured out work for us. So I think we're all a little bit of extremists, right? I mean, you could be listening to some cheap dopamine hitting music right now, but instead you're tuning into the Grower Dive podcast. And for that, I appreciate you. Now, if you went to the YouTube and hit subscribe, that would make me smile really big. And we're going to do that in five, four, three, two, one. Look how happy I am. Thank you for subscribing to the YouTube channel. We have some crazy exciting things happening. If you're still listening on streaming services, I love and appreciate you too. But that YouTube subscription would help a ton. Now, my impulse control. How did I start practicing? I set these parameters and boundaries where everything sort of has to be earned, if you will. I've talked at length about the delayed gratification, as I alluded to, and that little step has really helped me tremendously. So any pattern that I recognize that isn't actively making my life better, yet it's still something I enjoy, maybe I would call that a vice, if you will, 
I just simply have set it back and delayed it. But what has helped keep me highly accountable with this is a journal. I've talked about journaling, I've talked about journaling, you're rolling your eyes. I know, I get it. I Who wants to come here and hear about journaling again? But I believe if you're not actively keeping a journal that it's impossible to be self-aware. Listen, how many times do you go back in your memory bank and you sort of remember an event and maybe a little bit how you feel? whether it be good or bad. But what if these massive events, we had an entire timeline about the before, during, and after? How would that shape the way that we're able to mold our current realities based on the situations that we experience in day-to-day life using the data that we have previously to better predict what's going to happen next? Let me give you a little less vague of an example. Last week, it was a little bit of a mental rut. It was a little sad. It just happens. It is what it is. And when there's a lot of moving parts, you're going to be happy. You're going to be sad. You can't really be that negative, right? Well, the last time I got a little bit sad was in December. So this was February. I went back to December and I was looking at that week. It was the second week of December. It was like the ninth and the 10th. And I went back into my journal and I was looking at what was making me sad then. And it's funny. What was making me sad then is I had a ridiculous amount of money that I was trying to recoup from business partners that had screwed me over. I've told the story on the podcast before, and I was genuinely depressed at the time. Well, what was making me sad this past week wasn't even close to that. So I went forward and I saw the steps that I was taking as I was keeping log in my journal as time went on and I was working my way out and I noticed, oh, When I am really, really hammering down on strict work end times and respecting extreme time boundaries within myself, because that time boundary allows me more time with Peyton, which is my favorite thing to do is one-on-one time with Peyton. And when I am getting out and getting these long, mindless walks in, where on these long, mindless walks, I am listening to the cheap dopamine, a little bit of EDM, some millennium, some whatever the case may be. That's actually where I started getting happier. And so I can apply this to the current situation of, okay, I was way more sad then. These are the things I journaled about that helped get me out. So what do I instantly flip in my day? Okay, I have more work to do now than I had then, but I know that ending this work at a certain time, about 5 p.m., is going to bring me more one-on-one time with Peyton to take this super long walk, listening to music to end my day. And I started doing it. And instantly... I started getting happier. So now we have so much data. And then I journal about this. Wow, again, like this worked for me again. So to develop your emotional intelligence, you have to start by practicing self-awareness. And the easiest way to practice is by continually holding a journal. Your EQ is 100% based around self-awareness. You ever notice the people like walking on the sidewalk way too slow, holding everyone up and they have no idea anyone's even around them. They have no self-awareness. So you can now assume about these people that they have low EQ. And you can probably assume about them that they don't have a ton of adversity that they've been through either. Because I think there's a direct correlation between AQ and EQ. What about when you're driving? Are you one of the drivers that like is always heads up and you can see moves before they happen? It's high EQ. That's high awareness. What about the people that never see it coming? 
Oh, that's super low EQ. So we can literally get better at these things by well, one, journaling, keep an accurate journal. But two, something that I learned very recently, when you're going on walks, if you always go the same route, you start subconsciously auto going through this route and you're not really thinking very much. You're not forcing many neural connections to happen in your brain. The brain activity starts dropping down and you don't get the same release from this walk because we take the exact same route every single day. Whereas if we're continually switching up or adding new elements to the walk or going different routes where we have to stay very aware of the, the environment that we're in where your synapses are now being challenged and tested because more different neurons are connecting because we're going a different route and we're doing a different thing. We have a different environment. That's a direct increase of EQ as well, which I thought that was really cool. And Peyton, I've been doing that. And well, I don't know if he's trying to improve his EQ very much, but I have gotten a lot of happiness out of that. So maybe that little tidbit could help. If we do the exact same mundane tasks every single day, even the ones for pleasure, the response that we get from that pleasure ends up dropping off and you do not get the same release from that as you once did. It's just a simple threshold matrix. So if we do the exact same activity, but we add different layers and elements to it, just like how an athlete improves at their sport by continually adding new skill sets, then it's going to stay highly relieving for you. So I think these things can help tremendously, but especially when you go back on the journal in time and we see, oh man, last time I was a lot more rough off than I am now. So I have the exact game plan. Now you just got to execute. And this drives into number two, your self-management skills. Controlling that whole impulse situation that we know that uh, the Justin of October was very bad at based on the readings that we got. Managing your emotions in healthy ways, adapting to changing circumstances like I was alluding to with the walk. Learning to calm yourself down before responding to a situation is essential. You can't see a reflection in boiling water, can you? But then the water calms down, all of a sudden you can see a reflection again. When you're boiling, raging, in anger, that exact thing that's making you angry, that is your real world hell. But when you're calm, when you can see clearly, that is you living in abundance. That is you being blissful and that's you being able to respond to self and other situations in the most accurate manage the most accurate response possible. So believe the way that you feel. It's valid. It's accurate. But what actions can we take to foster these feelings into more positive outcomes? Which drives me to number three getting curious about your emotions. Identify and appreciate these things. Dude, they're beautiful. You are allowed to feel whatever you are feeling. Your feelings are valid. They're real. They're inside of you right now. They came up for a reason and they're there to show you something. They're there to teach you something. Maybe they're there to protect you from something. Who knows? But until we become hyper aware of these feelings, aka journaling about them, what they make us experience and understanding what comes next, that we're not going to be able to really engulf ourselves into the signals and emotions they're providing. That's not going to be able to empower us to make the changes that we need. See, so you're really curious. Why do I feel the way I feel about all of these things? Building social awareness. Oh my God, it's the whole person on the sidewalk. It's like 
you're in the grocery store, you're taking up the whole goddamn thing and no one can get around you. It's so wildly annoying. It really is. But how do you build social awareness? I think there's a part of empathy. And if you disagree with me, I would love to know. So certainly let me know. But I believe part of this is just being an empathetic human, kind of like looking out for other people. You don't want to be a people pleaser because that's somebody who's empathetic without boundaries, but you want to be able to stay out of the <clears throat> stay out of the way of other people making moves and progression in their life, aka let them pass you in the grocery store or on the sidewalk when you're moving slow or whatever the case may be. But I think that this is going to foster more strong relationships, whether they're personal, professional, romantic, whatever the case may be, because we have to actively observe. We have to actively listen. And we have to actively better relate to others. So if we're actively better relating to others, we're actively listening better and we're actively observing, especially nonverbal communication. Like if you're in a conversation with somebody and their body is facing the literal opposite direction that you are standing, they're not interested in talking to you. So cease talking to them. They're not interested. If they are arrested, they're going to be facing towards you. They're going to be squared up directly to you, involved in the conversation and leaning into further. I see men fail at this all the time at the bar. <laughs> but if you can better relate to others, you're going to have more social awareness and you're going to be able to better connect with exactly where they're at empathetically by your empathetic ability as well. And now you're going to have more meaningful relationships, which is going to help you do number five, improve relationship management. This is an art form, if you will. Clear communication, inspiring and influencing others, collaborating within a team, managing conflicts. Emotional mastery is not just about understanding and managing your own emotions, but also nurturing and maintaining positive relationships. Look at an important relationship in your life. Is there a problem in that relationship? What is the problem and why has it not been configured yet? Likely due to poor communication. The hard part is you can only communicate as well as you can possibly communicate. Wow. Riveting information, Justin. What I mean by that, if the other person can't hear, if the other person can't understand, if the other person chooses to not adapt to whatever it is you're putting out there, there's only so much you can do. There's only so much that can be done. And sometimes that's just your sign that you've got to move on to bigger and better pastures because you are only going to be able to communicate, grow, and become the person that you are destined to be based off the environment supporting that. And I think that something I see high, high EQ people uh, really excel in that moderate to low EQ people struggle with is continued lifelong learning. It's the whole paradox of the more you know, the less you think you know. And that holds extremely true for maybe everywhere in life. I eat, I feel like I'm way worse at the podcast now than episode one of Grower Life Podcast <laughs> because you just get better. You learn more. You do more things. And there's a false sense of bravado that you have when you're a rookie or when you're a little bit underqualified or when you aren't very educated because you just simply don't know any better. So if you continually look for new ways to improve yourself, i.e. journaling, i.e. breathing, i.e. walking without stimulation, just connecting with nature, grounding, having deep 
empathetic conversations with people while maintaining your personal boundaries, then all that's going to do is elevate your EQ. EQ and AQ are two things that are completely in your control. There's a strong argument that can be made that you can only increase your IQ so much, but put yourself in position for all three of those to be as high as they possibly can be by reading a book, by journaling, by possibly putting yourself in hard positions. And if you do that time over time over time and you continue showing up and winning those situations, there is not a chance in hell that you don't love who you become. Gordai Podcast, I'll see you guys next time. Peace.